Delicious, meat nutritious, and the snack that packs a real protein punch, wonderful pistachios. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value and making wonderful pistachios one of the highest protein nuts out there. But perhaps more than that, I love all of the flavors they have. Their sea salt and vinegar ones are my favorite when I'm craving that flavor, but still want to keep it healthy. But that's just the tip of the iceberg. Wonderful pistachios come in a variety of flavors like chili roasted, honey roasted, smoky barbecue, and jalapeno lime, to name a few. Perfect for enjoying with family or friends and taking them with you on the go. Whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snacking game today. So fill up with a healthy snack when hunger strikes. Visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. That's wonderfulpistachios.com. This is Optimal Living Daily, episode 2673, Having Fun in the Pit of Despair, part two, by Steve Pavlina of stevepavlina.com. And I'm Justin Mollick, the guy that reads to you every single day of the year. Now, today's episode is part two of a longer post. So if you didn't catch part one yesterday, I'd recommend listening to that first. But if you're all caught up, then let's get right to part two and continue optimizing your life. Having Fun in the Pit of Despair, part two by Steve Pavlina of stevepavlina.com. Turning stress into fun. When I face circumstances where I'd have a tendency to create extra stress or set myself up for disappointment, I use the same strategy of overplaying my attachment. I don't try to stave off disappointment. I deliberately overact the potential upside as well as a potential downside. I make the stakes seem even bigger than they are. This approach gives me the best of both worlds. I get to enjoy the thrill of taking risks. I get to be passionate, involved, and immersed in the emotional experience of life. I get to savor every drop of juiciness. But I don't suffer because as counterintuitive as it may seem, I don't resist the possible outcomes. By exaggerating my attachment, I encourage the neediest part of myself to fully express itself, which transforms it into fun. I know that when I lose, I'm going to overact the loss just the same as I'd overact the victory. Since I'm going to exaggerate the outcome either way, it's hard to take either outcome so seriously. I'd rather step forward into life's experiences instead of dispassionately retreating from them. I'd rather play Carcassonne like Ducat than like Spock. Spock may win more often, but Ducat will have so much more fun. Why do we love movies that include passionate, lively, and larger-than-life characters? I think it's because they express how some part of ourselves would really like to live. We're not here to sit on the sidelines of life in a lotus position and be aloof and unattached. We're here to devour all the tastiness that life has to offer. We're here to relish the bitterness and the sourness of life, as well as the sweetness and savoriness. If you have a victory, celebrate the heck out of it. Let it be the greatest victory any human being has ever experienced. If you have a setback, celebrate the ridiculousness of it. Don't try to be aloof and dispassionate. Steamroll those mild feelings into the most absurdly overacted tragedy to ever befall a human. Then you'll grasp just how ridiculous it is to wallow in even mild disappointment. To the cosmos, your greatest disappointments are always a joke, so do your best to treat them as such. Celebrating the pit of despair. What if you're feeling attached to a specific outcome that hasn't been determined yet, such as desiring a specific relationship partner who may not share your desire? Go ahead and let yourself feel attached, but get out of that fuzzy gray zone between victory and defeat. 
set yourself up for a true victory or a true defeat, just like I do when playing Carcassonne. Raise the stakes even higher. The way to stop making such a big deal out of defeat is to make defeat an even bigger deal. Stop trying to protect your vulnerable self by overpadding the seemingly safe middle. Delete the margin between a win and a loss. Even if you win or lose by only one point, let it be a tremendous victory or a crushing defeat. There's no other outcome. A favorite tool of cowardice is indirectness. The coward tries to prevent disappointment by only half risking, half asserting, and half committing. The heart remains shielded from defeat, but a shielded heart cannot emit its radiance. A shielded heart has no creative power. Drop the shields from your heart and take some real risks. You'll soon discover that life jumps at the chance to reward your courage, not necessarily with victory, but certainly with fun. When you dare and win, sing loudly of your glorious victories. And when you lose, and you will lose from time to time, then go ahead and make the sound of ultimate suffering until you're compelled to laugh at your ridiculousness. Make no mistake, if you shield yourself from taking risks, then you're the most wretched and miserable coward to ever walk the earth. After you set yourself up for a true victory or defeat, then play your very best game. Enjoy the full richness of the experience and revel in the soul-stimulating emotions that follow. Don't just try to come out ahead. Don your cloak and do your best to infiltrate the castle against insurmountable odds, rescue the princess, and ride off into the sunset. If you succeed, give the princess the most pure and passionate kiss the world has ever known. And if you fail, then go build a summer home in the fire swamp. You just listened to part two of the post titled Having Fun in the Pit of Despair by Steve Pavlina of stevepavlina.com. Thank you again to Steve. Really interesting perspective that I've never heard before. And it's cool that it fits with the whole model of this podcast, which is to hear different sides. Differing opinions are good because it allows you to try different ideas if they resonate with you and see how it does. And if it doesn't work, then try something else. We have probably over 100 authors that contribute to our podcast. And if you ask them all the same question, I'm sure you'd get 100 different answers. That's all part of the fun. So take what you like. That's what these podcasts are for. That should do it for this one. I'll be back in just a moment with our weekly bonus episode, so stay tuned for that, where your optimal life awaits.